Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 12 of Creating the Future. And today is a very special bonus episode. Uh, You know, usually we bring them out on Monday, uh, but as many of you might know, Robbie Zacharias, the great apologist, uh, passed away here recently. And we wanted to take a moment to honor him and celebrate his life. And uh, many of us are familiar with Robbie. You can go to YouTube and watch his videos. You can go listen to his own podcast. And he's such an intellectual, such a philosopher, literally somebody who is creating the future and left an indelible mark on this planet. But you can see that version of Robbie on YouTube. I kind of wanted to know who the behind the scenes Robbie is, right? Who is the guy uh, that, that, that's eating dinner with you and lunch with you and going on airplane rides with you? And uh, I have met a person years ago named uh, Michelle Tepper who works for Robbie Zacharias's ministry. She's one of his other apologists, speaks on the same stage with Robbie. And uh, so I reached out to Michelle and she is a trooper. She was willing to kind of move heaven and earth to jump on here quickly so that we could actually celebrate his life even before his actual memorial service, which if you're watching this the day it is released, uh, is tomorrow. Uh, Otherwise, it is on uh, Friday. And so uh, if you can jump into that memorial service, it's a beautiful thing. But we wanted to take a moment and just kind of see the man behind the microphone, the man behind the stage. And you are going to love this podcast today as we just celebrate this amazing man and how amazing he was, not just on the stage, not just answering questions, but one-on-one, as well as just being a person who loved everyone and was fun to play with and be with and be around. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite stories, speaking of playing with him, uh, that she's going to share, you're going to love this, as he talks about a scavenger hunt he held inside of his hotel room. Such a cool story. You're going to really enjoy this today. Hey, I also want to celebrate all of you who won uh, for our 10th episode. We were giving away 10 gift cards to Starbucks, and a bunch of you won that. Thank you for your participation with that. Uh, A few of you that won that I know personally, uh, uh, thank you, Tony Parker, Keisha Perez, Sandy Adams, uh, Melody Snyder. You guys rock. Thank you for your support. And uh, for everybody else, keep supporting us. Uh, Let's keep moving this thing forward and keep creating the future. And I'll do my best to keep bringing you some great, engaging content. Hey, I also quickly want to say if you enjoy this conversation today about the apologist, don't miss this next episode, which will be episode 13, as we bring an actual apologist on with us and ask some questions of him, uh, Dr. Joe Davis from Southeastern University, as we continue to celebrate the life of Robbie Zacharias. All right, without further ado, hey, let's hear some behind the scenes stories from my friend Michelle Tepper. So uh, let, let me ask you this. So before we uh, went live, you were just mentioning that Robbie Zacharias International Ministries, that name was not even necessarily what he wanted. And there might be some people that listen and go, well, you got to be pretty vain to name your ministry after yourself. I've actually heard a non-believer say that. Never heard a minister or a, or a Christian say that, I should say, but I've heard non-believers say that. But with Robbie, it sounds like that wasn't even, he didn't necessarily even want that. 
You want to tell that story? No, yeah, that's exactly um, the story. So there is um, a, a man called Dee Dee Davis who um, was the, the very first financial back, um, backer of Ravi Zacharias. And what happened was Ravi had been um, a professor. He was traveling on the weekends and preaching. And he says, and well, he always said, and Margie still says to this day, his wife, that those were the three hardest years of their marriage because he was working wow. full time as a professor, theologian, and traveling. He was never seeing his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and he began to pray and say, God, if you want me to do this full time, please can you provide so that I can do this with my family and I have to do all, you know, all of this at the same time. And he felt like God gave him a number um, that that would make it work. And he mm-hmm. was speaking at a conference and he didn't mention it at all. And at the end of the conference, he was asked, um, you know, is there anything we can pray for you about? And he goes, I'm pondering something in my heart right now. Didn't share what it was. Could you pray for wisdom on that? This man, Dee Dee Davis, who had not met Ravi to this point, was packing up his hotel room. He felt God say, that young man down there is waiting for X amount of dollars, and he will be um, you know, a future um, person to, sh- to share the gospel. He wow. waited for Ravi wow. in the waiting room. Till Ravi came down, I forget, I believe it was definitely minutes, if not hours, just waiting to by chance meet him in the in the in the lobby of the hotel. And he said, "This is the number that you've been asking God for." And I want to tell you, I'm a businessman. You're going to need double that. But I will get some of my friends together who need to hear the gospel. And I guarantee you, if you come and share the gospel with your wife, not only will they back you, but they will come to know Jesus. And that's what happened. And so once that happened and Ravi didn't immediately accept, he and Margie went away and prayed about it. And they felt mm-hmm. like that would be right to say yes to that backing. This man, D.D. Davis said, I want you to have your name on this because I want your integrity. I am not going to back something where you're going to be sharing the gospel when you, you know, you can just run around and do whatever you want. I want you to have your integrity always on this ministry. And that was the number one thing that Ravi said to all of us on the team for as long as I can remember. Once a year, we get together as a global team. We change where it is around the globe so that someone doesn't have to travel 12 hours every single time. It changes. And every time he would remind us of that, it's about your integrity. And one of the main, um, uh, um, stories he always told us and charges he always gave us is learn to train your appetites. The things of the world mm. is a buffet always in front of you. And if you learn to train, oh, hold on, hold on. Say, say that again. That's too good. Hold on. Slow, yeah, say it slower. Train, learn to train your appetites. And you know, we have a lot of jokes about food, which I can go into that. Right. That's the fun side learn of to train your well. appetites. But your spiritual appetites, because yeah. there's a buffet of the world in front of us trying mm. to distract us with everything at our grasp. And really we have that. Right. You know, even in lockdowns, especially on the Western world, we still have pretty much anything we want at our fingertips. And mm-hmm. we're all saying this has been the hardest time that we ever had. Right. But, you know, we can still order Amazon Prime. Right. It says train your appetites, and that is how you stay sharp with God. That is how you mm. stay sharp with evangelism. And that was drilled into him from the beginning. Your name has to be wow. on this because I want your integrity, not because it's about your name. Wow, that, that's so, so, so good. Train your appetites. The world is a buffet. I love that. All right. Hey, if you're watching, uh, do me a favor, share this. If you uh, believe in Ravi and you think other people would love to, to, you know, hear Ravi's story from behind the scenes that we're about to get into, uh, share this and uh, let other people jump in with us as well. All right. So Michelle, so you've worked with RZI since 2011, correct? Full-time since 2011 as kind of an associate or adjunct speaker since 2005 when I graduated from the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. Okay. So you've been quite a while there. And so you know the man behind the myth, so to speak. You know, not the myth, I guess is not the right word, but you know the man behind the microphone, the man behind the stage where, like I mentioned in the beginning, so many of us 
only know Robbie from his radio show and his voice that, oh my goodness, it's, it's one of those voices that you will never forget. So unique and so, so incredibly articulate and beautiful in the way he would speak. But you know the man behind the voice. Uh, so we don't know that man. And so just, just tell some stories. Like what was he like behind the scenes? Yeah. Um, one thing that my, my good friend and colleague put well just at the beginning of um, all of our kind of global sharing, I don't know if you saw the hashtag, thank you, Ravi, that many yeah, people around yeah. the world have said, mm -hmm. is one of the biggest fears that I think all of us have when we meet a kind of famous person, whether they are, you know, a Christian famous person or not, if you would say that, is that they don't live up to, um, I guess, what you would expect. And right. Ravi is and was exactly um, exactly all that his preaching would mm -hmm. have shared um, with us to be. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about okay. it. But what he was known for and why he could speak on university campuses um, in countries that do not want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be welcomed back as he was known for his kindness. He was known for his utmost respect and care of the human person. He would never belittle a person to make a point. He was kind. He was compassionate. He was full of mercy. He always saw very much like Jesus, the last and the least. And exactly what you saw of Rabbi in the tone of his voice that everyone loved is who he was. Um, off the stage. For me, the, the number one um, thing that comes to my mind is that he was a father. Mm. Um, you know, he created a family. I just said that we have almost a hundred strong of full-time right. um, speakers, but not just the speakers, we globally, everybody from, you know, our facilities operators to coffee people like I used to be, to the people that are speaking around the world, talking and leading up to this memorial happening on Friday, we are grieving as a team because we are we were part of a family. He and Margie created a family and, and he would share with us on a regular basis that he wanted to create within this ministry that he paves the way for um, a chance so that none of us with our families would ever have to go through what he and Margie and Sarah and Naomi and Nate had to, you know, sacrifice mm -hmm. when he was in his early days in ministry. He wanted to make sure that we were, yes, doing everything for the gospel, that we were taking care of body, mind, and spirit. And he did that in so many different ways. One of the um, things that come to my mind that I just absolutely love is, um, so my daughter, Sophia, she's 10 now, mm -hmm. and um, she's met Ravi many times. Her, um, his oldest grandson is only a couple years younger than her. But my daughter, I like to say that her speed is fast and her volume is always loud, right? She's not <laughs> one of those kind of like sit in church or, or one of Ravi's talks yeah. and quiet the whole time. So she wasn't right, always right. at all of them, right? But she came to a couple big events, and a couple years ago um, in Orlando, when we had one of our big events that we have annually just to kind of raise money for the, the ministry, she came and um, they were doing a scavenger hunt with his grandkids in their hotel rooms and he invited <laughs> my daughter to be part of it with their with the grandkids and I was terrified because I'm like oh no she's not going in his room and knocking something over and breaking something right. sure enough she gets in there she almost knocks him over trying to get to the candy and doesn't even say thank you all the things I would have gotten in the same time <laughs> trouble for growing up and he just had such joy 
being able to welcome children and welcome people around him. And it, it, it didn't, he wasn't a famous personality that far. He was a father. He was a grandfather. And, and he loved to just shower people um, with, with fun. And he had a great sense of humor and also just with, with gifts of his time and little things. So that's one of my favorite memories. The fact that my daughter nearly knocked him over um, with all of the grandkids, like doing the scavenger hunt for candy one yeah. year. But it, he wasn't bothered by it at all. He was laughing, you know, and he would always ask, how's Sophia doing, Michelle? How's Peter doing? Because, you know, one of the hardest things with an itinerant is that you're traveling away from your family. Mm-hmm. Every single time I saw him, whenever wherever it was, he would take time to ask me how my family was doing. And that, yeah. that meant a lot as well. So he was a father. He was a grandfather. Um, we never went anywhere around the world where he didn't know um, the staff of the hotel that we were staying in or the cooks that were cooking. He would always say, this is the best place on the street to get this juice. This is the best place to do that. But he wouldn't know that because they were the culinary places that Lonely Planet said to go. It's because he would go out, he would go out with a baseball cap on almost all the time because if not, people would recognize him. And sometimes he just wanted some peace. And he would go and they they would recognize him, but not because he was an incredible evangelist that he was the little street vendor in India that he always got the spicy fish from. He came back every <laughs> single time and he would check and see how, how their family was doing or the foot massage person in Hong Kong that he took the whole team to the family that ran that joint and we filled out everything. He would ask them how the kids were doing. He just always knew the places because he cared for people. And that was the truth. He remembered people's names as well. I actually heard my colleague um, share on a podcast this last week about him that um, uh, his mother was worried because he wasn't a very strong student, which makes you laugh because his mind is incredible, right? And so she took specific time to train Mm -hmm. Ravi in memorization to try Mm -hmm. to help him in his studies further on. But I know that God used that because there was never a name that I saw him forget. Mm-hmm. And he just remembered people. So the, the, the rabbi that I know is the rabbi who took joy in watching grandkids nearly knock him over to find the right candy, who remembered um, the juice maker who has the best watermelon juice in Singapore and the family that owns the little foot massage place and bringing all of our team into there for team building time for fun and, yeah. and looking after my husband and my daughter and not just me, but the entire team mm-hmm. and telling us, take time for your marriage, take time for your children. Are you taking care of yourself? So that's the Ravi I know, a father and someone that joins someone together and always remembers someone's name. Uh, that's, that's just so beautiful. Like you said, so many times you, you see people from a stage and you see them from a distance and you um, idolize them, I guess might be the word. And you create this caricature of what they are behind the scenes and you assume that's who they are all the time. And then when the curtains pulled back and you get to know them, and I've had this happen to me on several occasions, you get to know them. You're like, I, I really don't like them. Like, like they might be great preachers or great communicators or great at whatever their industry is, but they're just not nice people. And, and I love this with Ravi because when you pull the curtain back and I've heard this testimony from others too, not just you, not that your testimony is not true, but it's, it's validated by lots of other folks that when you pull the curtain back, you find this, this man who is full of love. And just thinking about that and how I believe that the spiritual gifts of which he operated in a great way, not necessarily in the 
the, the gifts that other people might think of, but evangelism and, and things like that, those gifts really operate best out of an attitude of love. That's, that's first Corinthians 13. So when you're operating out of this, just, I just love people. Well, then the gift can operate with the street vendor that's selling the spicy chicken or whatever in India, as well as at Harvard on a stage in front of a bunch of antagonistic atheists who are just, you know, saying ugly things and asking questions. Um, and, and yet that love permeated every single thing he did. So just do you have any other stories that you want to share about that kind of stuff? I don't, I don't yeah, want to cut one, you off. One, I don't want to add to it either. So one specifically okay. comes to mind. So um, we do university um, uh, weeks or university event weeks. We call them or missions. You would call them kind of in the Christian mm -hmm. world where we get invited um, to university campus um, and we join up with the Christian groups that are already there and we do a week of free food and hard apologetic questions and live Q&A yeah. and we go around the campus we do engagement stations and to some of them over the years um, we have either kicked them off or ended them with Ravi doing an open forum and that happened at um, Arizona State University a couple years ago and we had been at that university one year already then we were invited back because there was such good engagement so the second time we came Ravi came and did an open forum at the beginning of the week um, mm -hmm. in the first week that I was there though I had met a student and our team had journeyed with him and he was probably one of the brightest minds I have ever met. And he was a atheist. And at the end of the week, when we were there, he was still an atheist. He loved sparring with different people, um, but he had been hurt and he yeah. felt known and he enjoyed um, coming to our talks because he knew that we were going to take him seriously. Mm -hmm. Nearly a year, no, probably was the, the summer after that. So I want to say maybe six months passed. And um, I got a call from this student. Actually, I hadn't realized that he had had my numbers as we had met up with um, him, with some of our team. And that student actually called me and said, I'm about to take my life. Wow. And I called you, not because I believe in anything that you said anymore, but because I knew that you would pick up and because I knew that you cared about me wow. from the way you treated me. Anyway, we got him some help. And when we went back to the campus the next year, he was in a much better mental state. Still wasn't a Christian, but couldn't wait to be around all of us Christians right. again. And so came. Um, well, it was the open forum and um, he had read a lot of Ravi's books. And even though, you know, he, he, he wasn't a fan of the message, he was a pretty big fan of the man, as many people <laughs> right, was. That's the gift right. that Ravi had, you know, um, another colleague of mine put it this way this week. He said, you know, what kind of a person has a ministry where they go to university campuses where the majority of the people there, if you disagree with them, they're going to give you no platform and not let you be there. But thousands of students show up, ask hard, hard, hard questions. Mm -hmm. Many students stay for hours afterward to speak to this man and just ask him for, for, for life advice, even when they have a different worldview. But what kind of a man is this that does this and spends his life to giving himself to people and sharing the gospel to people that, that maybe will never say yes in front of him, but, but they, they feel heard and so they will trust you know, him and maybe go on a journey afterwards. Well, this was this, this student I was speaking to. So I um, happened to mention his story to Ravi, not even that night, but a couple of days before that, in an email. And I, you know what, I was never one of those that would try to set up a meeting because I always thought the rabbi was so busy coming mm -hmm. in and mm -hmm. leaving. And he was meeting with so many other people because he cared with people. Right. So usually I was not trying to connect people. Well, I, his um, travel assistant actually emailed me and said, Hey, Michelle, 
you know, Ravi really would like to meet this student. He does have back to back to back meetings, but if you can bring this student right as he exits the open forum tonight, he will have 15 minutes with Ravi before he goes and gets on his plane. Now, Ravi had spoken all day, had hours of questioning in that Q&A afterwards, was exhausted. I knew he was exhausted, was about to take a plane to fly somewhere else internationally. And he made extra time for this student. And I remember him sitting with this student and he didn't wrestle with any of his intellectual questions, even though he said, I'll ask, I'll, you know, I'll take any question you have. But he told him the story of him trying to take his own life, like Ravi did on a bed of suicide at 17. And the student broke down and he let Ravi pray for him. And I will never forget the sincerity with which Ravi treated him, the way that this student who had been hurt by the church, he, that was part of his story, just calms down, let him get close and receive prayer. And then he was hooked up um, with the Christian community long after we left. I have not um, had contact with a student in a long time, so I can't tell you his story from that. But the, that, that was another one of my favorite stories. And that's, that's, I have endless stories like that, that Ravi at the end of hours of ministering would say, hey, I wanna meet that one more person they might never become a Christian to my knowledge, but they're worth something to me because I want them to know that they're seen and they're loved by God and that they're not alone in their struggle. I love that. It seems because I've heard those kind of stories from Ravi before. It seems like because of his story of, of trying to commit suicide at 17 and how that radically changed his life, that he always had a soft spot for you know kids or, or I guess anybody, but, but usually hear it more with, with kids that uh, are contemplating suicide. Yeah. 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 All right. So let me do this. Uh, I want to read uh, my little tribute to Ravi, and then I want you to respond to that. Where did my thing go? Here we go. Uh, so when I heard that he passed away, and uh, especially with our India campus and the way that affected some folks there, uh, it just made me sit down and kind of reflect and write my own little tribute. And uh, this is this is uh, what I wrote on, on social media a couple of days ago. Um, Starts with a quote by Ravi Zacharias, love is the most powerful apologetic. I'm not, sh I'm not even sure how to respond to the pass passing of Ravi Zacharias, but I will try to put it into words. As an apologist, he was a hero of mine who always seemed to know what to say. As a philosopher, he was deep enough to drown a theologian, yet simple enough that anyone could understand him. As a Christian leader, he lived with an inner fire and passion that is far too often missing in the church leaders of today. As a teacher, he was captivating, inspiring, and always left you hungry for more. As a preacher, he always spoke the truth, no matter the cost, and he always spoke it in love. As a man, he displayed integrity and character, which is the true mark of strength for any man. I don't get too enamored with celebrities, especially Christian celebrities, but while preaching at a conference in Nepal in 2016, I ministered alongside a first cousin of Ravi, who now pastors a church of 20,000 in Sri Lanka. Over meals, I spent our time asking him questions about Ravi and what he was like. He was gracious and answered my questions and shared many stories. Even with his success, he still was in the shadow of Ravi, at least in my eyes. I just wanted to, I just wanted to know the man behind the legend. While that was the closest I ever got to Ravi, his sermons, books, and ministry has made an indelible impact on my life, faith, and ministry. Ravi will always be the gold standard of Christian apologetics, not necessarily because of what he said, where he said it, or how many he said it to, but because of the heart and love that permeated each word that he said. Love is truly the most powerful apologetics or apologetic. Thank you, Ravi. <laughs> I didn't know him and I get teary eyed. <laughs> yeah.
mean, I think exactly what you wrote is true. Um, he loved people. He often would talk about how, um, you know, there was the, the law, the 600 um, laws, and then there was yeah. the three, and then Jesus boiled them down to the two and the one, and he got his, he would go through all of that. And, and that's when he would say, love is the most powerful apologetic, you know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, <sighs> and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was a picture of fulfilling the truth of the law because he, he loved people. And, and that's why um, I do believe that this ministry um, and his legacy will go for years and years and years and years beyond his life. And that's what he wanted in the final days of his life. All he was worried about and while he could still speak was making sure that his vision for integrity, for the team, for the gospel to go forward, that that would not be stopped. He was charging board members and charging um, the leaders of our team, you know, stay true to the gospel, stay true to what God has called you to, keep empowering the team, keep together, stay in unity and keep bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That was what he wanted to do with his final breath, his final words that he were able to utter in the final days was just the word gospel over and over and over again that was that was his life and that was his legacy um and and that will go on and he and his entire family gave their lives sacrificed everything to me um you know we are so so overjoyed because we know that he is with jesus he is with um the one he loved and he's no longer suffering and he is not um in pain uh yeah. The saddest thing for me, though, because we are living on this side of eternity and we all feel that same weeping that Jesus felt when, when Lazarus died is that these were the years where he was going to maybe slow down <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for me, it's his family. His family gave him joyfully and, and would do it again. But up to the very, very end. I mean, this mm-hmm. happened so fast for all of us. So it's, it's such a shock. Yeah. It was just, um, you know, sharing a passion, preaching on the world stage. And, and now he's gone. So it's still a shock. So that is the saddest part for me. And anyone watching, I would, I would ask you in, in the days um, leading up to Ravi's memorial on Friday. But then in, in the days and seasons after, because for many people, a memorial of a, of a big name, the that's closure for them. But for his family, you know, that's just the beginning of grief. Pray for his family. Pray for Margie and Sarah and Naomi and Nate and the beautiful grandchildren because they gave him their entire lives um, straight up into heaven, really. Um, And so they will be the ones that uh, will be missing him in a different way than than all of us, even as a team and and globally, people that loved him. Please remember Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. All right. If anybody has questions of, of uh, Michelle, jump in and ask questions in the comments. I'll try to moderate and uh, ask her the question. Uh, so any, any question, feel free to, to put it out there if you want a question about who Ravi was behind the scenes. Uh, but let's start to wind it down. Let me ask a three-part question. Maybe we can even talk back and forth about this as, uh, uh, as apologists, but also like you knew him. I saw him from a distance, so we might see it slightly different. Ravi Zacharias's legacy to me is threefold. I think you have his legacy in the world, his legacy in the church and his legacy in apologetics. And I think they all touch each other, but I think they're actually different in a lot of regards. And so uh, we'll, we'll just start here. His legacy in the world, 
how will Ravi be remembered worldwide? And if you wanted me to answer first, because I'm not putting you on the spot, I can, but I just think it's a good, good question to ask. Yeah. I mean, worldwide, I believe he'll be, you know, you said his voice. Mm-hmm. Many people, oh, yeah. many people talk about, I heard this voice. And some people even just came to gospel, to the gospel, because long before there was Facebook and all of these live things, they heard his radio stations been going right. for such a long time. But I think his voice represents more than just his accent. It was a voice of truth. It was a voice mm-hmm. that spoke the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ in a kind authentic way that always pointed to truth and that always welcomed people. And so I, I believe it's, 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 it's his voice in the world that, yeah. that will be remembered and recognized. Um, a clarity, a kindness, and truth. A voice that cut through the noise and, and made people sit up and listen. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, if I were answering the same question, I would say very similar, but I would say that uh, he gave Christianity a credibility in a time where there was a lot of non-credibility when you have a lot of moral failures and a lot of ugliness going on. And you mm-hmm. had a worldwide apologist where a lot of the others are not as known worldwide. Uh, you know, even the William Lane Craig's and these guys, um, you know, I, I love William and I love uh, or Bill, but, but Ravi had an ability to speak that was uncanny and captivate an audience, whether you were Christian or not, that was uncanny. And it put Christianity at an intellectual level for a lot of people who might not have thought it was there uh, for them. So uh, funny little story. I was with um, a doctor recently. Uh, he's an Indian man, Indian doctor. And I've been with him twice in the last few weeks. And the first time I was with him, he starts talking about, uh, you know, um, the gospel and he knows I'm a pastor. And so I said, Oh, are you a Christian? And he said, Oh yes, I, I follow the Bible and, and blah, blah. And then he starts quickly. I started to catch on that. It was kind of this mixture of Buddhism and Hinduism. And he starts talking about energy. And we had this fun little conversation because I said, well, well, you know, where, where does the energy, cause he kept talking about this energy. I said, where did the energy come from? Where did it start at? It had to come from, you know, had this fun little conversation. So then when I met with him again, Ravi had just passed away at that point. And I was just curious because I knew he is Christian. And I asked him, I said, I said, well, did you know Ravi Zacharias? And, you know, not personally, but did you follow him or know of him? And he got really somber and really serious. This is a man who's never known Ravi, but would be considered an intellectual, got really serious and really somber for a minute and almost teary as he started saying, yes, I followed his ministry for years and I've looked up to him for years and I've read his books and I've followed his sermons. And, and, and I love that because you have somebody that, that, I don't know if they're in heaven or not with their belief system, but the very fact is Ravi put an intellectual capacity to the gospel that allowed people like him to look up to Ravi and go, okay, I can learn from this man. Um, And I just think it was, I think it was beautiful. Mm. All right. So the second part of that question, Ravi's legacy in the church world, what does that look like to you? I'd say two things. Um, Unity Mm -hmm. is one thing. Yeah. I actually just heard, um, someone, we had a, a, a staff time of memorial and she went to um, a very famous seminary and she had said that there was this time years ago where there had been um, a rift between two parties in the seminary and had been going from very, for, for a, a while and she had been getting um, just asked to help in those situations for reconciliation and she said she remembered Ravi coming to the seminary and speaking for a couple of events. And she said, after he left, um, the riff was gone. There was mm. unity. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's everywhere I went. Yeah. Um, he was invited back. 
Um, that's why I know I you joke with what my dad said, but it was never about whether you were of one denomination or another on the team. Mm -hmm. And that never um, had any play as to what invitations we would accept or not accept because um, Ravi preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and through that, um, the gospel always brings unity. The gospel yeah. always heals division. And so I believe unity is the first thing. And, and, and the other thing that really in the church is I believe, you know, here, here might be the Pentecostal side of me, but, <laughs> but I, I dare say that revival is not too strong a word mm -hmm. to say. Uh, many of us on our team would say if there was a third thing to helping the thinker believe and the believer think, is we would add one more, helping the believer believe. We saw, mm -hmm. we've had the privilege of seeing over the years um, of this ministry, so many prodigals come home. People who thought that they were raised one way in the faith, but then they gave up on it because they thought their doubts yeah. were too big. Yeah. And I saw that again and again. In fact, that, that was the legacy. Ravi would speak and wait and, and, and meet those people like those students who had given up on God and even given up on life and speak to them and speak truth and remind them of what God thought about their lives. Mm -hmm. And their hearts would be turned back to the father, the mm -hmm. father that maybe they had given up on. Mm -hmm. And so I, I believe a revival of people's hearts coming alive again to knowing that the gospel that they were raised with was not just a fairy tale and was not dried up and old, but it was real and intellectually honest and robust and yeah. they can believe again. Sorry, I'm starting to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, I believe that's the legacy in the church, unity and, and, and a revival of salvation springing up from yeah. the ground. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, with the question for me, if you said, what's his impact on the church? I would say that he brought apologetics itself to the forefront in a unique way because of his radio show and things like that and his giftedness and ability to speak still to this day when i talk to somebody and you know i say you know i have a degree in apologetics and i do that on the side and they go oh so ravi zacharias i'm like you know there's thousands of apologists out there and you know i always looked up to people like norman geisler who also just passed away you know a year ago yeah. and and, and these different guys like that. Norm was, you know, one of Ravi's professors, you know, mm -hmm. so I've, I looked up to these guys. Nobody ever heard of any of those guys, but they all love and appreciate uh, Ravi Zacharias. And I think it gave a, a, a voice to apologetics and gave an identity. And, and I think that's going to last for a long time that when people, when you say the word apologetics, their mind immediately goes to Ravi. And that's not a bad place yeah. to go. All right. The last one would be uh, uh, in the apologetics world itself. What What do you think is his legacy in the apologetics world? How How will apologetics be different because of him? No, well, I think apologetics is already different because um, mm -hmm. really, I would say part of his legacy has been moving it away from what people thought was just an ivory tower, um, you know, elective or speciality in theology you could take, or or just debate style. Mm -hmm. He was about, and, and uh, we mentioned this a lot as a team, it was his unique gifting of his Western um, education and his Eastern background as he brought story to everything that he did. He right. saw the person. It was about the questioner. Um, so he, he made apologetics about the question behind the question mm -hmm. and about the person you know, the questioner behind the question as well. Remi remembering that it's more than just, an it's actually not an argument. It's about the person. You never win an argument. You're winning the person is what he mm -hmm. always reminds us. Yeah, that, that's very similar to what I would say. I, I think his unique uh, ability to love people in his responses, mm -hmm. that it wasn't, it wasn't always what he said. It's the way he said it mixed with what he said mixed. There was this spirit about it 
that, uh, you know, you and I in that apologetics world, we've seen so many lectures and there's, there's, um, and, and, and some of the most genius, smartest people are apologists, but they don't always come across loving, you know, and sometimes they also come across really dry and boring and they might have the greatest argument in the world, but you fall asleep three minutes into it, you know, yeah. um, but Ravi had this captivating way. And I think it really came from the love and, uh, uh you know, that, that love is the greatest apologetic, you know, I don't yeah. know if he's originally the one to say that or not, but I will credit him, you know, forever for that. Cause I think he lived it. It wasn't just a quote. Yeah. 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 All right. There's one question here. I was trying to, to read it. My mouse is backwards when I put it on this other computer from Elvia Winfrey. She said, and forgive me, I have a stand in the way of this question. That's fine. Uh, says, uh, I'll move it over. What is, what is a favorite story from his travels and meeting and ministering to world leaders? That's a great question because he got to minister and meet with a lot of world leaders. Um, well, here's one, a little embarrassing one. <laughs> <laughs> we love embarrassing stories. Those are the best. Not about him, but this would be the classic thing that would happen. So sometimes we would do these two tiered meetings if we were first going into a country or if we were going back into a country after a while. So I've been um, privileged to join with our Latin American team for the last couple of years since I moved back to the States. And so I had been going to Peru preparing for a very big open forum that Ravi was going to because he hadn't been to the country for almost 20 years. So we've been doing university missions and lots of things. And let's just say that lots of people on our um, on our team are foodies, including, you know, Ravi. Um, but I'm of an Italian background, so I like my food, right? And mm -hmm. the Peruvians, they just love good hospitality. So you would go and you would do these events and then you would be eating until midnight afterwards. And then you would start mm -hmm. all over again the next day. Mm -hmm. um, well, so I went out and we did some events and then Ravi and another team went out two weeks later for the big um, open forum. And then I joined him in Nashville, like two days when he got back from Peru and he goes Michelle we missed you in Peru and I said oh did you and he goes your appetite precedes you everywhere I went and he had been speaking among among um, con congressional leaders that I had met <laughs> in passing they talked about the girl who ate everything she saw so that was hugely embarrassing to me and it was about world leaders we've been going to houses of parliament and meeting all of these government leaders and all he could say was that oh yeah they talked about the team member that i sent out and all they could talk about was how much you ate so but what i loved about that is he would pat me on the back and say i'm always so proud of you he called me michelle pepper as well because of how hot that i could eat and kind of spiciness and some of the way that i talked sometimes so that was those are some of my favorite stories about um, him with world leaders. Um, really, he just would be able to speak to people. I remember stories of him going to um, the Middle East, places mm -hmm. that you know I can't really talk about where he was, but being able to have these one-on-one -on -one meetings because he met them, right. um, not as a different religion mm -hmm. or worldview. He met him as the person again, grieved over the loss of lives in both of our countries of wars that we have fought and would say, you know, we will not have the loss of our sons mm -hmm. until we look upon the son of God who gave his life for us. And until we look upon him and honor him, we will be sacrificing our sons. To me, that's yeah. still, you know, I told a funny one first, but that's always um, yeah. one of the most moving stories of a world leader um, in a Muslim nation. And, and he was able to meet with them and speak to them and say words that, 
that true and that mm-hmm. real and be invited back to mm-hmm. speak to other world leaders because people knew we need to embrace the yeah. son of God who died for us. And this man who so gently challenged us, we, we need to be saving our people around the world by looking upon the one who was pierced for us. So that is my, all, one of my favorite stories of him speaking with another world leader. So good. All right. Uh, this will be the, well, all right, we'll, we'll do two quick ones. These are the last ones. We'll do Elvia and Evor, if that's okay with you. Is that okay, Michelle? Sure. Okay. So if I'm saying this right, Evor Talok, sorry if I'm not saying it correct. Uh, it says, hi, Michelle. Did Ravi ever talk about a question that he struggled with the most? Is there any apologetic type things that he struggled with? And you just mentioned world uh, wars and things like that. Yeah, but. He, what, what usually he would say, as I remember him, especially when he was speaking to university students and to young people, is he would say, you know, in my day, things were a little bit different, but the strongest and the hardest question that you will all have to wrestle with, and then he would talk about the universal us, is, is coming to deal with sexuality and identity. How do we live in the world today and how do we wrestle with it? Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't phrase it as that was the hardest question for him to answer, but yeah. he was very honest and he, he always took it. It was such compassion he would be speaking. Mm-hmm. University campus is saying, in my day, we did not have to have the struggle with who we are and formulating you know, our identity based on our sexuality, based on our experience, what the world is saying you have to do to know who you are. This is hard for yeah. you and your generation. And I, you know, he was like, I grieve that with you. But the gospel has something to say to you about your value that cuts yeah. past that those those changing um sands and so he would often say that yeah that uh, yeah that's great that's very true all right elvia the last question is what are some of his favorite books so not books that he wrote but what are some of his favorite books or authors in other words what were some of his key books in his library yeah he loved poetry mm-hmm. but um Borum is the person that he quoted the most and so he would, he actually was very hard to get your hands on any of Borum's works because there wasn't that many and Rabbi would tend to try to find them and buy them. But if you look up works by Borum, that was his favorite author that he would speak about. That's really interesting. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we wrap up, so there is a memorial, as I understand it, this Friday. Can you, can you just talk about that? Where, if somebody wants to see that or follow that, where? Yeah, where if you go that? to our webpage, rzam.org, um, we will be streaming from there. If it's, I'm, I'm not the best technical one. If it's not streaming from there, then it will be linked to our, our YouTube. But go to rzam.org. It's already up um, saying um, the details about it. I checked today. But it's 11 o'clock. They'll be live streaming mm-hmm. um, the memorial service because obviously of the pandemic, it's going to be much you know smaller and um, for for people will not be able to really attend it because of social distancing. But Ravi, um, his, his legacy is really, even up to my memorial, I want it to be an opportunity for as many people as possible to hear the message of Jesus Christ. So that's what it's going to all be about. Um, on, on Friday at 11, you can catch that. So go to our webpage, rzam.org, if you would like more details about that. Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually went on there a little bit before. And like you said, Friday at 11, it does say on here that they're live streaming on YouTube or Facebook. So it should be on okay, Facebook. Okay, thank well. you for that. So on YouTube or Facebook. It, more than likely, it'll get shared all over. So right. if you if you watch it, make sure and share it so other people can catch on to it and, uh, and, and be a part as well. Well, Michelle, thank you so, so, so very much for being on this. For everybody who's who's watching or listening post, Michelle is a trooper. Uh, because I kind of got the idea of this podcast and I reached out and we already do this this Tuesday night at 9 Q&A and I thought, man, if she could jump into that, 
And uh, I was gonna have my assistant Debbie reach out to you this morning. And I'm like, that, that's even too late. I'm like, I need to do it tonight. So I just reached out to you last night and uh, said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me. We met a few years ago and De uh, Michelle is an absolute trooper jumping in last second, uh, totally unprepared, so to speak, as far as if you need preparation for this, but, um, but really jumped in and did a, a great job of just sharing the life and legacy of, of Ravi Zacharias, the man who well, has touched so Thank many of us. You. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so honored you were here. So he's, he's touched so many of us and, um, and I think it's something that's definitely worthy of doing. So. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.